Well, welcome everyone to the Robin Walter Show. God bless you today. Today's program is going to be um, a little different in the sense that I probably have uh, several public service announcements. So I, I know what you're thinking. Boring. No, they're not your typical public service announcements. They're things that are really, really important. Uh, and that's maybe an understatement. It's just not well, it's just different. You'll just have to see, and I think you will be um, educated and inspired. And I trust that you will, or I have failed. But I'm going to start off with a couple of things just to kind of get them out of the way because they need to be taken out of the way. Um, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that when I got to a company that I thought that she should abandon, that she should boycott, I would let you know. And today's another one, but it originated from uh, an article that I read here where a survey of America's largest 203 colleges, 203, 45,000 students involved in the survey revealed that 59% of them, virtually six out of every 10 students, fear disagreeing with her professor. This is a totalitarian nature of our so-called institutions of higher learning, which are simply institutions of higher indoctrination. And, uh, you know, I never really had that problem, disagreeing. I mean, I didn't know enough to disagree as a freshman. I didn't know really what I thought. But today, the students are a little more involved given uh, social media and the, the ease with which information is disseminated that they think they come to school in some respects knowing more. I went down to the University of Michigan as a 17-year-old, and what did I want? I wanted a girlfriend. That was about as far as it went. And what did I get was I got my first class, first day, guy with long hair, tie-dyed T-shirt, who is to the left of Fidel Castro. But my point here is that the intolerance of the educators, actually the indoctrinators, is palpable, manifest, beyond disagreeing with. They are there thinking that the students are just a bunch of Lab rats, guinea pigs, for them to put their imprimatur of left-wing wokeism, anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-American beliefs, and they're doing a heck of a good job. Well, how does this relate to a, a present company? Yesterday, DirecTV, owned by AT&T, canceled Newsmax. They already canceled uh, One America News. They've already done that. Because they can't stand competition. They can't stand 
a little tiny bit of truth beating the absolute snot out of mountains of lies. And so the next company to boycott, if you can change change everything with them, is AT&T. They stink. They are left-wing communazis as it is as to suppressing. I can't say censor. That's actually too strong of a word. But but outright blatant suppression of anything that dis, that disagrees with the uh, humans right human rights department or the or the CEO or the high levels of administration. Now I'm not here to tout the advantages of Verizon. I happen to use them. I've had some tremendous battles with Horizon on different levels, both business and personal. However, the other day they came out and sent out a top 10 awards list. And the awards were going to employees at different locations of different stores around the country that it, that excelled kind of the above and beyond contribution, not to the store, that was assumed, but to the community. And I read through the word, the, the, the awards, and all 10 of them were decent. I mean, it was maybe as hu- Habitat for Humanity. Another one was uh, some uh, food, food thing for poor people. One was uh, deal, uh, supporting and g- giving. So it, what would happen was a Verizon would hand out financial awards, but the but the recipient had to give some of it or all of it, I can't remember, to an organization. And it wasn't going to some LGBT outfit. It wasn't going to some woke or six, 1619 project. It wasn't going to some crummy university. They were all worthy humanitarian ones. And one of them... And they made special note of it. He gave half of it to a housing shelter and the other half to his Baptist church. And I thought, man, this kind of isn't the Verizon I remember. But in these two little snippets, they've left AT&T in the dust. I had AT&T once. I had a problem just last year with them, dumped them, and went back to Verizon. And you need to dump them as well. So just when you think the world is totally stuck on stupid, it's not. It finds a way to get stupider, right? Okay, take Loyola University of Chicago's School of Medicine, which now requires applicants to submit a photo to help them ensure that you are not white. The amount of reverse discrimination, and it, it's it's just plain discrimination. That's all equity is, is we're going to punish people who did no wrong and award people who were never injured, and we'll call it equity. Well, they have this program uh, which is designed, obviously, for non-whites. And so what I would suggest, if you are applying to Loyola University of Chicago, you send in a different picture. I'm not saying you'd use a Governor, what, Northam uh, blackface uh, painting from or picture from 25 years ago, but do something. Send some send some other picture in. I, I would. And then after they accept you, then they have to overtly 
kick you out based on a photo, even though you otherwise were admitted. And then at that point, that's when you claim in the worlds of tranny this and tranny that, that you are transracial. And speaking of racial matters, Bergen University, Norway is one of Norway's premier universities. You might think this may not relate, but what happens in Europe finally makes its way to the U.S., just the way Barack Obama wants it, right? He always touted Europe as the ideal. Well, Europe stinks in more ways than we got time to cover, but they provided a grant now to the the government, provided a grant to the university to look into see whether or not and how white paint has contributed to white supremacy around the world. I'm not kidding you. White paint is racist. White paint is white supremacy. Let me ask you. We got listeners, I don't know, Arizona, Texas, along the southern border. It gets hot. Are you going to paint a house that's struggling to keep itself cool Two, three hundred, four hundred dollar a month air conditioner. Are you going to paint it black? Are you going to paint it green? Are you going to paint it dark brown? You know there are a number of of blacks. They're brothers and sisters that listen to the Robin Walter Show. Um, you don't have to write me. You may robinwaltershow at gmail dot com. But let me know if you ever felt triggered by having to move into or having moved into a white house. Ah, this stuff. Well, you know what? I, I don't want to spend long on this because I want to get to my first public service announcement. But these two guys, you probably read the story, they showed up on Fox News, sort of. Two homosexual guys who adopted children for the sole purpose of sodomizing them, introducing the children into pornography, filming the pornography and making money from it. These guys should be executed after a fair trial, but then shoot them. And after you shoot them, set them on fire. I don't care how many times you want to kill them. Sorry, this is worthy of death. But the real story here, because this goes on all the time, homosexuals that adopt children and they're abusing them to turn them into homosexuals. Goodness sakes, you're that gone immorally. What's uh, adopted incest? What's a parking ticket to these people? But the fact is, and the problem is, they were adopted through a Christian adoption agency that did not have the guts to say no to two homosexuals. It's like the 60% that don't dare to disagree with a professor. They don't want people. I don't want people to not like me. Who cares? I'd rather that God likes me and that Jesus is on my side than to be on the side of the world because uh, favoritism, the world that loves you, it's enmity with God, right? So maybe, so what do we do? Charge the adoption agency with aiding and abetting sodomy and sexual molestation of a minor? I don't know. That'd be an interesting case. Enough of that. I don't want to spend any more time on that crap this week. I spend too much time on it, but it keeps getting worse. And 
I need to let you know. All right. PSA, public service announcement of sorts, number one, it deals with flying. And the FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, making changes to the health requirements for pilots. Now, I'm going to give you as much as Tucker Carlson gave you, but then we're going to go deeper. Here's what he talked about the other night, that the aviation medical examiners widened the range of EKG results that would make it acceptable for pilots to fly. So they said there is the PR. I forgot what PR stands for, but it's a measure of heart function. Maybe it's not pulse rate, but I believe it measures in milliseconds the time it takes for a message uh, to be communicated through the heart, the heart responding to its itself in a sense, if I understand it correctly. And the range that has been acceptable is 0.12 up to 0.2. up to 0.2 milliseconds. As it approaches 0.2 milliseconds, the slower the transmission, the electronic transmission within the heart, the higher the risk there is of a cardiac incident maybe a heart attack. The FAA raised it from 0.2 to 0.3 at a minimum. Now, keep in mind, this is actually a 55% increase in the range of which the FAA considers acceptable, a range which would have previously, between 0.2 and 0.3, taken a pilot out of it action because of risk of a cardiac event in the cockpit until further testing was done and would get cleared. The FAA here on Tucker said that uh, the um, that they were following standard processes based on data and science. Of course, however, the data is never provided. But now we're going to go a little deeper on this because it's important for you to know this. So you you can make your determination how safe it is to fly. Because we've got more time here than Tucker has. Here we go. And I'm going to read, actually, and edit as I go along the way, an article written by, and I thank you, Ethan Huff, writing from News Target, who quotes other writers, all of whom I have read, But Ethan's article sums it up probably the best. He states, and I quote, Many people missed it because it was done secretly. But after the rollout of the COVID vaccines under Operation Warp Speed, the FAA changed the EKG parameter range for pilots to prevent them from being grounded. Since most pilots were forced to get injected in order to keep their jobs, the subsequent heart damage would have put many of them out of a career almost instantly had the FAA not made these changes. So I want to insert this. This was your jabs for jobs program in the FAA. Jabs for jobs, that's what I call it. You had to take the jab to keep your job. According to Stephen Kirsch, 
uh, and I might add, you might want to subscribe. Just, you know, uh, put them into DuckDuckGo or whatever, Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H, K-I-R-S-C-H. He produces a mountain of evidence from a wide range of resources from around the world. He's a multi-mega millionaire Silicon Valley success story who actually voted for Biden and got the jab, as did his wife and his daughters, until apparently uh, he got uh, truly woke in the right sense of the word, awakened. But Kirsch uncovered this change. The October 22 version of the FAA guideline for aviation medical examiners expanded the EKH parameters for pilots from a maximum of 0.2 to 0.3 and under certain circumstances even higher. Now, as I just mentioned a few minutes ago, and I'm inserting here, this represents a 55% increase in the the supposed acceptable range. Kerr says they didn't widen the range by a little. They widened it a lot. And it was all done after the vaccine rollout, after the jabs started to have an impact on people's health. Keep in mind, the only change it this past October. He said, this is extraordinary. They did it hoping nobody would notice. But the change is not only extraordinary, it is a tacit admission by the United States government that COVID jabs do, in fact, destroy or at least damage the heart. Sadly, most pilots now have destroyed or damaged their hearts as a result of being forced to get injected. Kirsch estimates that in addition to these pilots, some 50 million Americans who have taken the jab now have heart damage. And I might insert, you just don't know it. You might not have any heart damage, but you may have it and simply not know it. He goes on to say they are also more likely to die suddenly which could be preceded by various heart conditions like myocarditis or blood clots. I have to interject my own here. I am pulling out and copying every single article I find, and it just comes across the newswire. Some of it's, a lot of it's secular. It comes across Yahoo News and other left-wing sites talking about this 35-year-old athlete died and this 21-year-old athlete died and this 18-year-old collapsed on the basketball court. Have these things always happened to some degree? Of course they have. But I never, ever, until the COVID jab came, not COVID, but the the vaccine, never have I seen these random articles pointing to people dropping dead and dying suddenly. I collect about three or four a week. I would have read them before out of sheer human interest. But now they're con- they're conveying a telling tale. People say, "Oh, that's anecdotal." Well, what do you do when about one, two, three, four thousand anecdotals stack up? Wouldn't you at least investigate? Well, unless you are the government that doesn't want to get sued, because actually, Pfizer and Moderna can be sued if it can be proven that they intentionally covered up the risk factors for the and misled people as to the risk factors, lied about the risk factors for which people have now died or have been permanently 
injured as a result of taking the jab. Okay, where was I? He said, this is a very wide range. No, he says, as for pilots, those who would have been grounded under the old EKG maximum, but who are still flying planes under the new EKG maximum, face suffering a serious cardiac injury in flight, putting themselves, flight crews, and passengers at risk. And I might add, not to say wherever the plane crashes, maybe hundreds of people on the ground. This is a very wide range, he says. It accommodates people who have cardiac injury. Leading cardiologist Thomas Levy is appalled at the change. The general public deserves to know about these changes, which were done in secret because they affect the safety of air travel. Do you, and I'm still reading her, feel like boarding a plane piloted by someone who took the jabs and whose EKG levels now exceed the previous maximum? And I should add, and for which we have no way nor permission or access to find out whether the pilot on our particular flight is one of those. Back to the quote. Many people answer to the question would probably be no if they only knew that the changes were even made in the first place. Most probably assume that everything is the same as it always was thanks to the state-sanctioned secrecy concerning the matter. Kirsch also pointed to a recent study out of Puerto Rico showing a whopping 70% of fully vaccinated people when screened for cardiac injury using an FDA-approved testing device now show clear signs of heart problems and heart damage. Do we really want the pilots flying commercial aircraft to be included in that statistic? Bottom line, the most logical conclusion is that the FAA knows the hearts of our nation's pilots have been injured by the COVID vaccination, that they were coerced into taking. The number of pilots affected is huge. The cardiac damage is extensive and passenger safety is being compromised by the law the lowering of the standards to enable pilots to fly, according to Kirsch. The right thing, he says, would be for the FAA to come clean and admit to the American public that the COVID vaccine has injured 20% or more of the pilots based on their limited EKG screening. But I seriously doubt they will ever do that. And you see, no one, no one dies suddenly this is my. This is a point that's seldom made. Now I'm. We're back to me now, whether you like it or not. No one dies suddenly from COVID. No one. I have never heard of a died suddenly death from just COVID. It's all the vaccine. So now let's consider the pilots have to get vaccinated. So is there a risk if they begin to come down with COVID symptoms in the course of a two- or three-hour flight? They start to get the sniffles. They got a headache. A cough ensues. You don't launch full-scale into COVID to the point of death. But you do with a jab. You don't lead. You don't have a long lead time into a heart attack or a stroke from a blood clot, which has been absolutely proven 
if you dare to watch the documentary called Died Suddenly, it's incontrovertible. The blood clots that arise in a pretty large number, a minority, but a large minority, of people who've taken the jab. So I would say this, in conclusion of this uh, public service announcement, there is no way, no way, absolutely no way that the rules change here by the FAA increases passenger safety. And this, in an industry that has always touted passenger safety as its absolute top priority. So you decide. Do you want to fly or not? Do you dare to ask Delta, American, Spirit Airlines, Allegiant, whoever, wherever you fly? How many of your fly, flights, how many of your pilots are vaccinated? Because as I mentioned, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, that this a significant number of very elitist, wealthy people who don't have private jets, or they do, and they need a pilot, are now specifically making the request that the pilot not be vaccinated. Not be vaccinated. And, you know, it honestly, it doesn't end there. And we, Because in addition to those people requesting non-vaccinated pilots, because they know of the risk, and in addition to the broadening of these EKG parameters from 0.20 milliseconds to 0.3 milliseconds for these heart signals to be transmitted, we now have number three. And this comes from a pilot out west here, personally. Advise me that they're now doing um, cockpit medical emergency treatment training. Let me tell you, there's always been a risk that a pilot can get sick on a flight. There's always been a risk that some 40-year-old pilot could get a heart attack. But never have 40-year-olds been getting, 35-year-olds been getting heart attacks and blood clots and strokes like we have right now following the jabs, and they are all virtually all jab-related. Yeah, you got the few that were going to have it anyway, but now we have many. You got a pilot that gets a headache. You got a pilot that might throw up in the cockpit. But why after decade after decade after decade of commercial flight in this country and in this world, why now after the COVID jabs are we beginning to have cockpit medical emergency training as a requirement so that when your co-pilot or your pilot croaks, you have an idea of what to do. Do you take over? Do you, I mean, I'm sure they have this training, but now it's mandatory with some companies, and, and I can guarantee it will be mandatory with all airlines in a very short time period. Well, um, 
Changing horses here. I've got another public service announcement if we get to it after the break. But I think we can fit this in here. Elon Musk. Um, you know how Brock Purdy, the San Francisco uh, 49ers quarterback, who I really like, and I read a really heartwarming story the other night as to just how many of the top-ranked NFL quarterbacks are evangelical Christians. And Purdy sits there pretty much at the top of the list. But so does Patrick Mahomes. So does, um, uh, what's his name, Hertz. I can't think of his, uh, all of a sudden I can't think of his first name, for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think he's with the Eagles. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm forgetting my teams. I'm not a huge NFL fan, but I know some of these. And you get right down to Josh Allen and some of these. And I, it's amazing. That's the good news. But Brock Purdy, the San Francisco 49ers, being the last draft was picked uh, that was picked was called Mr. Irrelevant. I would call Elon Musk Mr. Enigma. The guy is a mystery that I cannot figure out. He ripped, and I mean ripped, the World Economic Forum for its ESG focus and its controversial investment regime, which increasingly some good states in this country are rejecting. I got to jump. Don't go away. It's a short story. I want to finish it before we get on to something else you need to hear about. Don't go away, Robin Walter Show. The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. Call me irresponsible. Call me unreliable. Throw in undependable, too. We are back. This is the Robin Walter Show. Continuing with Mr. Enigma here. Elon Musk. I can't figure him out. He says some great things. He says some things that concern me, everything in between. But I think I figured him out to a degree. He's a guy in transition. No, I don't mean that tranny crap, Ola. You mean I mean he's a work in progress. Certainly, if it's not progress, a work in process. He's changing. And he is an interesting guy. Um but with respect to the World Economic Forum, and what is the World Economic Forum, you might ask? Well, they are these groups of mucky mucks, these left wings, left wingers. They're not progressives, they're regressives. These mucky mucks who are uh, meet in Switzerland 
an attempt to create a one-world government using climate change as the hammer, in essence. But they have to do it through policies that they can impose. Because most people don't buy their garbage. They're using this thing called ESG, which stands for Environmental Social Governance. Sounds like a great thing, right? But they're attempting to impose and convince all corporations to be get woke or get woker. Because inside the uh, ambiguous language, all the social compassion and all that stuff, these leftists want to invade the economy so they can advance, as one writer says here from Breitbart, their radical economic, social, and climate agenda. Because they know they can no longer get their destructive ideas passed through the democratic process. And they can't count on the courts anymore. You have to have bureaucrats working with woke corporations. So where does this bring in Musk? Musk, looking at the World Economic Forum, this cabal of super wealthy left-wing, left-wingers who are all about destroying national sovereignty in the creation of a one-world government. He ripped ESG the other day in a tweet, and he said that uh, it doesn't stand for environmental social governance. The S is not for social. He said he has this for satanic. Isn't that something coming out of Elon Musk? This is environmental satanic governance. That's what the S is really for. So the left is having a conniption fit here because Twitter, obviously owned by Musk, is being able to get out this message, along with a whole bunch of other things, and that that Musk is actually a allowing people on Twitter to challenge the climate change hysteria. But I want to just ask one other question. It's rhetorical, of course. And that is Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI. What is he doing at Davos, Switzerland? What is he doing hanging out with people whose sole purpose is to take a climate change hammer and to get our corporations to go along with it and surrender national sovereignty on their way to a one-world government. What is Joey No Brains Biden's henchman from the FBI doing at that kind of a meeting? I said it's rhetorical because you'd have to be under a rock to know living under a rock to not know the answer to that. Okay, next public service announcement. I feel like I need to do this on behalf of everybody who is about ready to make a significant mistake, I think, in the acquisition of what? A car. A car. Hang with me here. This is poignant. There are, there's now a 30% increase in the cost of operating an electric vehicle over an ICE, the internal combustion engine. And that's what it's going to be for the rest of this thing. It's going to be ICE. 
the ch- there is so much that is at risk. And Lieutenant Colonel James Zumwalt, a name you no doubt have heard of, wrote an article called Buckle Up America entitled, subtitled, Why Transition to Electronic Vehicles is Set to Be a National Disaster. And he goes to talk at some length about that there's no thought as to the consequences. And how many times have you and I done the same? Honestly, we've ventured into something not understanding the consequences. And then when we get done with it, we wonder, why on earth did I do that? How could I not have seen that? I mean, that happens happens all the time. In fact, if there's something I, well, there's a number of things I pounce on, frankly, that comes up in discussion. And it's when somebody says, well, something has to be done. Let's, let, We've got to do something. That is the worst premise upon which to take action I have ever heard, that something must be done. In fact, Noah Webster, and I can't quote him, but I can paraphrase it quite closely. He said, many a bad policy embarked upon by the government and others has been rooted in the belief that something must be done. That's unbiblical, right? Because the word says to wait upon the Lord. You don't know what to do. You don't do anything. If I don't know what to do, I don't do something. I just don't do it. Wait upon it. Let it become obvious. So, yeah, I've made this mistake, but the difference here between me and you and the World Economic Forum and the left and this drive to electric vehicles and electric everything else, the difference here is the left actually does know what it's doing, and it's all about control. You see, we do things that way because it's knee-jerk. Something's got to be done. And there are times when something that must be done instantly is well known. It's, it's obvious, a tragedy, an emergency. Zumwalt says, quote here, as the U.S. embarks upon a policy of transitioning from fossil fuel cars to electric vehicles, shutting down our fossil fuel production to motivate citizens in this direction, and with states like California mandating no more internal combustion engines after 2035, leaves unaddressed the American consequences as to suffering its own moment in darkness. And I'm paraphrasing here a bit because it's a long sentence. In other words, California will realize just how stupid most Californians are. Because, oh, that's pretty harsh. I'm not saying that there aren't smart people. I got a lot of people that, are, that I love and people that are smart in that state. They're still there but they're in the minority because Gavin Newsom keeps getting voted in. Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff is now running for the Senate, and he will likely be elected. Adam Schiff, the missing twin brother separated at birth from Don Knotts. Barney Fife. Sorry, I'm making fun of him. Probably shouldn't be doing that. 
But ironically, what, and continuing with Zumwalt here, as J.B., Joey Biden, shuts down fossil fuels, and he is either moronic or he's simply under the tutelage of B.O., known as Barack Obama, Zumwalt says, ironically, we are blindly racing to cross the EV transition finish line without considering the impact of shutting down fossil fuel production, which, of course, is what Biden has done. Knowing these vehicles will be dependent upon an electricity energy source that itself is 80% reliant on fossil fuels. Did you catch that quote? And, it's, and I've vetted that fact it is to produce electric vehicle energy requires an 80% dependence upon fossil fuels. Trust me, these mines that are operating and unearthing lithium and so forth, do you think these bulldozers are running off a 12-volt battery? Zumwalt goes on to say, while fossil fuels are obviously important to operating most cars today, we cannot ignore the fact that they're just as important in providing electricity tomorrow, even in an all-EV world. So citing Tom McClintock, speaking on Capitol Hill, McClintock explained that copper is critical to EV production, of which the U.S., he says, has ample reserves. One such major copper deposit located in Arizona and commended for uh, shrinking its environmental footprint is great. But as such, it was all set to be activated, the resolution project in Arizona for commercial copper production until President Donald Trump left office to then be blocked by Joey, I'm stuck on EV electricity, no vehicles, no brains, Biden immediately after he took office. So McClintock stated to the committee, quote, on the one hand, you guys, and he means Democrats, you want to mandate electric cars, all in the name of saving the planet. Yet on the other hand, you want to radically restrict mining, also in the name of saving the planet. Guess what? You can't do both. So McClintock goes on to tear up the Democrats for ignoring the need to have operating by 2035. Over 300 mines that will be necessary to meet EV needs, not only for copper, graphite, lithium, nickel, cobalt. In fact, he said the EVs require Six times, 600% moral, more mineral input than fossil-fueled cars, necessitating more, not less mining. 600% more mineral investment, more mining is necessary to build a fossil-fueled car than an ICE. It's estimated that mining operations to manufacture 1,000-pound EV battery involves the necessity of moving 500,000 pounds 
of Earth. McClintock went on to state, if it is your contention that the mining required to produce electric cars is a threat to the environment, then you are also admitting that electric cars that require it are a threat to the environment. Oh, end quote. Well, how common sense is no longer common. He said, we're going to have to rely more on mining production. And since Joey No Brains is shutting it down in this country to, to meet his goal of an electric world, he shut down the fossil fuel industry in some places, shutting down the mining, and in the meantime, makes us increasingly dependent on other countries for our fossil fuel production, and in the future, dependent on other countries for the products of mining necessary to make the batteries. Countries, some of which couldn't give a rat's rear end about climate change and would not be able and will not mine it nearly as environmentally friendly as the resolution product in Arizona had laid out, but which Joey shut down. And this is simply part of B.O.'s, Barack Obama's, and J.B.'s, Joey Biden's plan, which of course is really Barack's plan, which may really be George Soros' plan, which may be really Klaus Schwab's plan, to what? Fundamentally transform America. And why? Because until you fundamentally transform America, you cannot fundamentally transform the world. Do you see why Barack Hussein Obama would just get triggered and start to twitch when people would talk about American exceptionalism? Why you would have to take down America and remake America in the image of Europe and the rest of the world. And I might just throw this in, by the way. The Barack's opposition to American exceptionalism is in at least a small part due to the fact that he himself never did anything exceptional, exceptional to contribute to Americans' exceptionalism. He's jealous, envy. Certainly part of it. We know he can do that. So McClintock went on to finish up uh, the issue of the EVs before the House uh, Committee on Natural, National Energy. And he, and he pointed out some of the additional problems, as did Zumwalt. So I'm going to combine their comments. But I want to finish with an insight, frankly, I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me, to add to theirs. So the first thing that Zumwalt and McClintock went on to their comments were that there's a, a chemical fire hazard created by EV batteries ignited either by a collision or, as Hurricane Ian demonstrated, by salt water exposure. 
which are difficult to extinguish, and in some cases, they appear to be out only to flare up later. And this is an obvious danger of special concern to parents whose children now ride electric school buses. Now, yes, the other day I saw a uh, Jeep uh, Rubicon, it was, totally engulfed in flames on a freeway in Arizona. But Jeep has been known to have a disproportionate share, I think, of electrical fires. But by and large, you don't see that, and you don't hear much about it. But how many Teslas catch on fire? How many other electrical vehicles catch on fire? My goodness, I know of a woman whose house burned to the ground because she bought an electric bike. The battery caught on fire in the garage and burned her house to the ground. She's now got a GoFundMe page going. All because of electric batteries, which we all have in our cars, right? They're sitting in our garages, but these are a different kind of battery, the kind that demands and requires continuous ongoing recharging. I have my concerns. Number two, they mentioned charger infrastructure. They said major snowstorms have left EV drivers with limited power to heat their vehicles, eventually losing all power. And more on that in a minute from me. Number three, substation outages. The electric grid is becoming a popular target for domestic terrorists. As over 70 substations, 70, 70, were attacked by terrorists in the United States just in 2022. And most people don't know that, unless you were one of them without power. This is a negative impact on transportation, mobility. Number four, transformer replacement. Concerns have long existed over the limited availability, says McClintock, of large power transformers in the event of a major power grid catastrophe. Number five, residential chargers. And I just mentioned the lady whose house burned because of the rechargeable battery of her electric bike to get caught on fire and burned her house down. Or the owner of the electric Hummer. I can't even imagine this. An electric Hummer. Are you serious? Who plugged his battery in on a Sunday only to find out that it would not be fully charged for five days. Couldn't use it till Friday. The other thing that uh, Zumal brings up here is battery disposal. The massive EV battery packs that are not easily recyclable or disposable, creating a major ecological problem concerning disposal. Look, when you burn, you know, I'm just going to say that when you burn gasoline, you're burning gasoline. What do you have to dispose of? Nothing. Nothing. It takes care of itself. Well, it's in the atmosphere. You can't prove that that's actually causing harm. In fact, we have areas of the world that are now able to grow crops farther north, according to their their cheering supposed climate change. But what Zumwalt doesn't cover and McClintock don't cover is what does an electric world or an electric society do when we are in war? What, we're going to send in electric jets, electric tanks, electric rockets, 
No, of course not. We still need the fossil fuel industry. But to support the jets, the tanks, the rockets, and the, inf- the military infrastructure, we need trucks and mining equipment, none of which can be electric. They can't pull it off. Time is of the essence. You can't wait five days for the stupid battery to charge up. Or the people who have to get to the mines and get to their trucks or are trying to get to where the electricity needs to be delivered, but they are caught in a power grid outage. I want to give a shout-out here to the president of Toyota. He came out and basically said, screw it to the EVs. Now, Toyota, I think, has some things planned, but he said, we're not stopping manufacturing of fossil-fueled cars. Who knows? By mid-century, electronic vehicles may be... The new Edsels, Packards, the dinosaurs of the future. Who knows? I do have one concession to make at the end of this. If you want to hedge your bets, maybe a hybrid might be the answer. But don't be without an internal combustion engine. Maybe the hybrid, which has a mix of the battery and the ice, you're not going to die of a heat stroke in Las Vegas traffic jam at 105 degree temperature because the stupid electronic battery, the battery just cannot hold up under that demand and you've got nothing to produce it and an AC sucks up a ton of juice. You won't freeze to death in a blizzard in Minneapolis or some other place because your battery only produces, is only, it loses 50% half of its efficiency when the temperature goes below freezing. Now, none of this is to say that it could not be cured, fixed, corrected in the future. But it isn't right now. Joey Biden, like the devil himself, knows his time is short and needs to ram, cram, and slam and jam this down her throat under directions of B.O., You see, the Democratic view is that if everyone could only live in cities, I'm not making this up. If people, because Pete Buttgag said this, the Democratic view is that if we just get people to live in cities, then they won't need to go one or 200 miles in a car. They won't need to deal with the deficiencies and the failures and the substandard and defective performance of electric vehicles. Vehicles that when it's below 32 can only go 150 miles. Are you telling me that we're going to be forced to fly in planes with pilots who have taken the jab and are at risk for a cardiac event in the cockpit? No. They want complete and absolute control. And people are much better controlled if we can force them, compel them, to ultimately have to live in the city and become dependent upon the government, depend upon a world where we don't need to go 100 miles for anything, nothing. We can control you. We can have our way because everything you need is less than 50 miles away. You can ride the buses, you whatever. I'm sorry. You know, the more I read that, 
the more I want to be on my 100 acres with my cows emitting huge amounts of methane, looking for and enjoying the cheeseburger I'll get out of it. Rob Walter reminding you to sit tall in the saddle, America. You're right for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you. See you, See you later.